0: Well, this morning we're continuing on with our series in Mark, The Servant King. We're picking up in the second half of the book of Mark. And this is really where the rubber is hitting the road for the disciples. This is really where things get moving for them, for us. See, with the disciples, they're they're now beginning to see Jesus as Messiah. I mean, just a chapter earlier, Peter confesses Jesus as Christ as the coming king, as Messiah. And now they're actually acting on what they've been taught and what they've learned from walking with Jesus. In this process of discipleship, now Jesus has released them. Back in chapter 6, he gave them authority to go heal, cast out, preach repentance. And they were given this, and so now they're acting on this. And Jesus is really in his last stages, The last stages of discipleship with his 12. Because shortly, and we know, but they don't. They still haven't grasped it. He's going back to God the Father in heaven. And so he's getting them ready for not having him anymore. Think about this. He's been walking with them nonstop. 24-7. Nonstop. And now he's getting them ready for them to do it on their own. And all the parents immediately get images of training wheels coming off. Or your kid driving without you in the passenger seat. And last week Scott preached on the transfiguration of Jesus. Specifically with the three disciples. Peter, James, and John. And he spoke of our desire for this This embrace of God. But our sinful nature was, it causes us to distrust God, to instead embrace and fill that desire with embracing anything and anyone other than Jesus Christ. Now today's passage comes right on the heels of last week's. With Jesus coming down from the mountain, coming to join up with his disciples and the others around them, and he sees kind of... A commotion, an argument, a chaotic commotion. And today's passage we'll find is centered on and around faith, specifically as it pertains to discipleship. How faith is key within discipleship and how the two are intertwined. How faith and discipleship are both a journey. So this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 29. If you're using a Bible in the chair, page 844 will get you right there. Now, before we get reading, we got some important business to discuss. Super Bowl. It's tonight. Some of you are like, super what? What's super about a bowl? I've had cereal before. So here's what we're gonna do. Everyone's gonna participate, okay? Yes, nod, yes. Everyone's participating here, okay? You don't get out of this, even if you don't like football. So there's two teams, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, okay? If you believe in the team of the Kansas City Chiefs, right now, I want you to raise your right hand as high as you can and keep it up there, all the way. If you believe in the Philadelphia Eagles, Chiefs, keep your hand up. If you believe in the Philadelphia Eagles, raise your left hand all the way up. Okay, good. Now let's take this a step further, keep them up. Feel the shoulder workout. Now how confident are you in this team? Nope, hands up, come on. How confident are you in this team? Meaning 100 percents here, 0% is all the way down, 50% is about face high. Let's see your sliding scale. Go ahead and adjust your confidence level. Okay, no, that's good. I was really praying that the hands would still be up. All right, now, for all of you still at 100%, keep your hands up. For anybody else, go ahead and put your hands down. So my 100%ers, for Eagles or Chiefs, it doesn't matter, hands are all the way up. Stand up if, if you in some way, shape, or form displayed your faith in your team in some extravagant way, via crazy social media posts, Uh, flags, shirts, I don't know. But you've displayed and gone all out. Stand up if that's you. Anybody? (laughs) Do it. Do it. Yes. Okay. Out of everybody in this room, no, you can put your hands down. You didn't stand up, so put your hands down. Out of everybody in this room, we see total and complete faith in her team. We had 100% confidence Out of some people, yet they just didn't quite say, standing up. And, you know, I kind of had faith in that exercise that it would work. We'll see how it goes second service. See, faith, and we're going to put the definition behind us. Faith is this complete trust or confidence in something or someone. And the reality is, folks, we all have faith. And day in, day out, we display faith in something or someone. Every day, we act on our faith. Be it faith in a chair to hold us. For traffic not to be bad. For the kids to have a good report card. For the list goes on and on and on. Because we all have faith and we all act on faith and we show our level of faith based on our confidence, and our confidence is dictated by our belief in something or someone. Now that something or someone is what I call the focal point of your faith. The one thing that is focused on in whatever situation, whatever scenario, it may change, but in that given set, That's the one thing you're focused on. It is the focal point of your faith at that moment, at that time, in that situation. And in photography, just like faith, focal points matter. Look up here at this picture. Focal points affect what we, shocker here, focus on. It's the same picture, but there's three separate focal points. And depending on what your focal point is, is what brings clarity and confidence in what it is you're seeing every bit of detail. Each one is different based on the focal point. It's what our eyes are drawn to and in turn what our eyes focus on, what we are focused on. So I'm gonna ask you a question and we're gonna expand this as we journey together this morning. What is the focal point of your faith. When you really look at your life, what is it that all of your thoughts, all of your attitudes, all of your actions would confirm as the one thing or one person you have faith in? Or simply put, who or what has your complete and total trust and confidence? So I want to invite you in honor of reading God's holy word to stand with me As we read, Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. And when they came to the disciples, Jesus and the three with him, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it is often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can. took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the glorious reading of God's word. You may be seated. See, our passage today, really, we're going to break it up into two chunks, okay? Because it's a little long one. But I figured two parts is going to be a little easier to digest. Okay, so the first part we're going to look at is is the disciples and Jesus' interaction with them. So the interaction of Jesus with the disciples is going to be the first part. Now the second part is going to be the interaction of Jesus with the Father. With the Father of the boy, with the unclean spirit. And today we're going to look at three focal points of faith. We're going to look at the focal point of faith for the disciples, the focal point of faith for the Father, and the focal point of faith for us. So let's look at the focal point of faith for the disciples, which we see in verses 14 through 19. Now immediately after the transfiguration, we have Jesus in full glory. Scott talked about that last week. If you weren't here, go back and watch it. Jesus in full glory coming down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And they were joining up with the other disciples. And they found something a total chaotic commotion surrounding the disciples. There was a great crowd around the disciples in an argument between the disciples and the scribes, the scribes of the teachers of the law. So it's kind of like think, think old school schoolyard fight, right? Like there's a big crowd, everybody's there, like wanting to see it, goading, all that stuff, but then there's the participants of the argument right in the middle. Now it's interesting though to see the crowd's reaction to Jesus. They saw him and were greatly amazed. I mean, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, at this point, they're chopped liver. I mean, they're right there with Jesus, going to meet up with the disciples. Yet the great crowd saw Jesus and were amazed greatly. And the crowd recognized Jesus and they were marveling at the glory shining from him. Not a glory that he's reflecting. Again, go back and listen to last week. It's a glory that he is shining from himself. And they're amazed. And everything else for the crowd is just chopped liver except for Jesus, and they run to him. Now, we don't see the disciples running up to Jesus and recognizing him and being in awe and amazement. What we do see is the disciples completely focused on a heated argument with the scribes and teachers of the law. And just as any parent would do when you come into a room when your kids are bickering and fighting and arguing, you address them just as Jesus addresses the disciples. And he says, what are you arguing about with them? Disciples, what are you arguing about with these scribes? Simply put, what's the beef? What's going on? Now notice something very important here. Mark doesn't record the disciples answering Jesus' question. He doesn't say the disciples answer Jesus. Who did Mark tell us answer Jesus' question to the disciples? Someone from the crowd. Someone witnessing this argument between the scribes and the disciples. Actually, it's the father of the boy. But get this, Mark is more focused on us Focusing on the disciples' interaction with Jesus at this point. So the father is not identified except in the answering of Jesus' question to his disciples. And someone from the crowd answered him in verses, verse 17. Teacher, I brought my son to you. And then he goes on to explain it and then he says, So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. Now the question is why? Why is someone other than the disciples answering Jesus? He pointedly asks the disciples, what are you arguing about with the scribes? He's he's addressing his non-answering disciples. And he rebukes them stating they are lacking faith. Jesus seems quite exasperated right now. Like, how long am I to bear with you? Come on, like how, how, how long before you get this? I mean, think about the journey and their faith of the disciples as they follow Jesus. I mean, Jesus had been pouring out everything and pouring in everything he had to getting the disciples ready for life without him, showing them and teaching them about a life of faith in Jesus, of faith in him performing miracle after miracle, taking the time to teach the disciples, to explain what others could not understand, constantly pointing them to faith in him as they follow him. See, earlier in the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus addressing the disciples as they were terrified on a boat with Jesus. Do you remember the account of Jesus calming the storm back in, calming the storm back in Mark 4? I mean, they're all on a boat, Jesus and the disciples. A vicious storm comes along. And the disciples were so terrified, so terrified of this storm, that they were on a boat with Jesus, and they get this. They're on a boat with Jesus, and they're believing they're going to die. You were with your master, and you're worried, you're lacking faith, that you're going to die. I mean, they even go up to him, and in verse 40, they say, and he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still know what? Faith. Jesus is basically saying this. I'm with you right now, and you are convinced you will die. You're so confident you will die. Your faith is not focused on me. What will happen when I'm not with you anymore? He brings it back to faith in him. See, their discipleship was directly related to their faith in him. And in Mark 6, we read of Jesus sending out the 12, right, to perform miracles, to heal and to cast out demons and unclean spirits because what? Jesus has given them the authority to do it. Now in our current passage, we have Jesus exasperated, exhausted by his disciples' lack of faith. But it makes sense that Jesus would be the disciples still aren't getting this faith in him thing. Still. With the backdrop set of Jesus' response and rebuking the disciples for their lack of faith, we can get back to that earlier question. Why is someone other than the disciples answering Jesus' question? Why is someone other than the disciples answering why there's an argument between the disciples and the scribes? Well, I'm going to pick some careful words to paint the image correctly for what I think the disciples were going through. They were befuddled. They were humiliated. They were completely and utterly rattled. They were helplessly impotent. They've been given authority by Jesus to cast out demons and unclean spirits, to heal. And here, the very thing that they should be able to do, they could not. To make matters worse, you can imagine the goading and the scolding they were receiving because of their impotence to heal the boy of the unclean spirit. Right? It's like the scribes. Ha! Ah, I told you so. You couldn't do it. I told you. You ain't got nothing. Ha, 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 losers. I mean, that's, in essence, what's going on. And imagine every kid in that situation being bullied, how small they feel. So there's absolutely no wonder why they didn't respond to Jesus. They didn't want to tell him of their inability to do what he gave them power to do. No one wants to tell their mentor that, hey, I failed to do the one thing that you've taught me to do. And Jesus' rebuke of, oh, faithless generation, tells us their inability was in their lack of faith, or should I say their weak faith. You see, the focal point of faith for the disciples, get this, was self. The focal point of faith was themselves and their own power. They focused on themselves to perform the miracle, to do what they had done before. To do what they were certain they could do again. You hear it? It's just a form of me, me, me. I, I, I got this. They were believing in themselves because their confidence had grown in their belief in themselves. Mark six thirteen. after Jesus had given them authority, it confirms this. And they cast out many demons... And anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. They've been doing this. It's not a new thing. They've been doing it. I mean, it's just like you and me, though, right? Think about when you were a kid, that moment before your first time doing something that required nerves of steel. Climbing a tree, riding a bike without mom, dad, training wheels, I don't know. Uh, learning how to drive on a highway. Uh Teaching your kid how to drive on a highway? Think about that. It's just like us, though. It starts with us believing in ourselves that we can do it. I got this. I got this. I can do this. I can do this. And the more we do it, and the more we do it right, and we do it successfully, the more our confidence grows in ourselves and our own abilities and our own power. It's all me, baby. And faith in ourselves grows. And this is what happened with the disciples. Their confidence had grown over time and contributed to a growing faith in themselves to cast out the unclean spirit instead of remembering who had given them their power and authority. Instead of faith focused on Jesus Christ. And Jesus rebuked them in saying their lack of faith in him. And conversely, Their full faith in themselves is what contributed to their complete impotence and inability to heal this young little boy from this terrible spirit. See, this focal point of faith for the disciples, this, this focal point, this focus on self was a misplaced and weak faith. So let's go to the second chunk and look at the focal point of faith for the father. And we'll see this in verses 20 through 27. After Jesus rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith in him, he instructs them to what? To bring the boy to him. And when the unclean spirit recognized Jesus, it began a torrent of convulsions in the boy and caused him to foam and flail all around on the ground. Now, one would think that Jesus would heal the boy right away. I mean, it's go time now. I mean, if you look in your Bible digital or not, most of them have like little subheadings like Jesus heals the boy with an unclean spirit. Like it's there in the title. Now the boy's here presented to Jesus and he's flailing around in this agonizing pain of what this spirit, this terrible spirit's causing on him. He's right there with Jesus. It's action time, Jesus. Let's see you heal the boy. That is not at all what we see. We notice something spectacular. Instead of healing, Jesus had a conversation with the father. Jesus asked the boy, I mean, asked the father, how long has the boy suffered like this? As if the son of God doesn't know the answer. Think about it, parents. Most of the time, think about this. I usually preface it to just kind of pigeonhole my kids. Kids, son, daughter, not going to name names. Just pick anyone. You know I don't ask questions often that I don't already know the answer to, right? So think carefully when you answer this next question, son, daughter of mine that I love very much. What were you doing? Fill in the blank. I already know. Jesus already knew. Because... There's this intentionality behind Jesus' questioning and conversation with the Father. It's not the healing, it's a focus on the Father. And he's having a conversation with Him. You see, there's something more than the healing of the boy that Jesus is after. What is he after? Hmm. He's after the focal point of the Father's faith. He wants the Father to have faith in him, in the Son of God and the Savior of the world. For Jesus, the healing of the boy is secondary to the faith and subsequent discipleship of the Father. He could heal that boy, no problem. But he's more concerned and more focused on getting the Father's faith in him. Think about your own life. Send up a Hail Mary prayer. God, if you only just fill in the blank. How much faith is that producing, really? Let's be honest. Most of us just go on. Thanks, man. Go on with our own life. See, it's the same for you and I. Jesus, he wants our strength and our faith to grow in him and him alone. And as we grow in our discipleship in him, he wants that faith to grow. The conversation with Jesus Christ, that's the the important part. Would it be great if I wake up tomorrow healed of my diabetes? Absolutely. But how great is it that God consistently uses it to grow my faith in him? The healing secondary, guys, our faith in Jesus is first and foremost. So the question is, what is the focal point of faith for the father? Well, it wasn't himself. We know this, right? I mean, the boy had suffered a long time with this affliction. So clearly the father knows he's absolutely impotent in healing his boy. Thus, he's going to the disciples. But notice he first brought the boy to the disciples and not Jesus. I mean, I can imagine the father, like his focal point was on others because he knew himself couldn't do it. So he's looking out to others, right? And placing his, his focal point of faith on others. And so I'm sure he probably looked around for Jesus, but like couldn't see Jesus because he was up on the mountain in full glory and just this awesome scenario. And, and he's down looking around and he's like, well, These guys, they're kind of with him. I'm just going to go to these guys because they're traveling around with him. They'll do. Certainly they can do more than I can do. His faith was in others to heal his sweet little boy. And we learn that the disciples, what? They failed miserably. They couldn't do what the father had faith in them to do. But now the father and his focal point of faith are front and center with Jesus Christ in a conversation. And the words of the Father clue us into the focal point of his faith even more. In verse 22, the Father says this, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So this confidence in Jesus and his disciples has now diminished greatly, if you can. He went from complete confidence and faith in the disciples to now such a wavering faith in Jesus, who is the source of faith. See, the Father's focal point of faith on others greatly influenced his faith in Jesus. The weak faith that he placed in others negatively affected his faith in the very Son of God. And it's the same for you and I. Think about it we project the shortcomings and failures of a faith in others and other things onto our faith in Jesus Christ. Well, this person left me. Well, I loved them with everything I had, and they just up and walked out. It's going to be no different with Jesus. I grew up without a father. Never knew him. Or an abusive father, alcoholic father, fill in the blank, just a terrible dad. Surely God the Father is the same. We project our shortcomings and failures of a misplaced faith in others onto a totally perfect faith in Jesus Christ. But instead of chastising and losing patience with the Father, Jesus shows compassion and response to the Father with in admonishment of faith verse 23 said and jesus said to him if you can all things are possible for one who what believes it's worth noting that in our passage this morning when we read belief or unbelief this is not speaking of just an intellectual knowledge if we were doing that then it would be the same word as the spirit who recognized. But it's not. This belief, this unbelief, this is referring to faith specifically in Jesus Christ. An absolute and unresolved confidence in him. A complete and total trust in him. So Jesus is admonishing the father to completely put his faith and trust in Jesus, not others. And what Jesus was after with his intentional questioning and conversation with the Father, he gets. The faith of the Father when the Father cries out, I believe, help, my unbelief. How amazing is Jesus? The source of faith has brought the Father from a weak faith focused on others to a complete and total faith in him and him alone. He took time to disciple the father, to help his faith grow and strengthen on the right focal point himself in all his glory and power. And only now does Jesus perform the miracle of healing the boy. Priorities, primary, relationship with Jesus, faith in Jesus. Everything else is secondary. But don't be fooled one tiny bit, church. Bringing the focal point of faith for the Father from others to that of Jesus was an absolute miracle that only Jesus can perform. Now that we've looked at the focal points of faith for the disciples and the Father, let's look at really what this means for us. The focal point of faith for us. Now I think if you're completely honest with yourself. I asked for audience participation earlier. This time, I want you to participate inwardly. If you're honest with yourself, if you're transparent with yourself, put down your guard, put down your walls, do a, do a fair assessment of yourself. I think you would say and you resonate with and admit that you're either like the disciples or you're like the Father or maybe a little bit of both. We either gravitate to a focal point of faith resting in ourselves or we gravitate to a focal point of faith resting in others and maybe even other things. Honestly, no matter which camp you're in and we're all in one of them, Both focal points of faith are absolutely weak and unfruitful. Let me give you a cycle demonstration. You have faith in yourself to do it. You fail. So then you put your faith in others to do something that you couldn't do, and then they fail. Then you place your faith in other things to do what everything and everyone else couldn't do, and they can't do it. And the cycle just continues. And it's this misplaced faith in anything and anyone other than jesus take the focal point of faith in self let's be honest have you ever failed i mean just once have you ever let yourself down parents husbands wives women men everybody in here right have you ever been ashamed of yourself And everyone's inwardly nodding. You didn't get the job you strive for. I mean, you worked so hard and you didn't get it. It was all on you to get it and you didn't get it. Or you just can't get your life together. No matter how much I try to get ahead, to feel just complete and like just set for the next day. I just can't do it. I can't get my life together. Or you're not enough. No matter how hard you try. Moms. I hear you loud and clear on this one. You get to the end of the day and you just say, I'm not enough. These kids, I did, my husband, you name it, life, everything. I am not enough. And I try and I try. I try to get ahead on laundry. I try try to be the good mom and I try and I fail. And I, 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 and failure after failure, being ashamed over and over again. And men, you try to fix it. There are things that you cannot fix. Be honest with yourself. I couldn't fix my wife's broken heart on our miscarriage. Didn't have a lick, but I know who could. And prayer was the only thing I could do at that point. And men, you tried so hard to prove your worth. And I know some of you are out here right now still with your guard up saying... No, I've excelled. I've proven my worth. I'm willing to bet you go to bed not satisfied. I'm willing to bet you go to bed resolved to do more the next day to fill that bucket of faith and self. To prove your worth not to anybody else because you've done that to yourself. The focal point of faith and self, church family, is doomed to fail. Because deep down, I love you when I say this and I'm including myself, we are all selfish, miserable failures. We're relying on our imperfect self to perfectly perform and consequently to produce an unfailing and resolute faith in self. What about the focal points of faith in others, in other things? Have others or other things failed you? It's a lot easier to say yeah to that one, huh? Have these people or things let you down? Have, have other things or people failed to produce whatever it was you were hoping for? Love, joy, contentment, peace, you name it. I bet they failed at some, some point in some way, shape, or form. Have other things or others caused you to compromise something that should never have been compromised? That person ended up breaking your heart. You put everything, everything of you into love from them, and they broke your heart. That buzz and escape from reality that you that you yearn so desperately just doesn't last so you got to go bigger harder longer just to have that escape but it fails you because it never ever lasts someone broke a promise that last purchase this kind of hits home for me at times that last purchase or whatever it is still doesn't make you happy and complete. There's always something newer, shinier, nicer, cooler. And you put all of your faith in these other things to complete you. See, the focal point of faith in others and other things is doomed to fail as well. Because everyone else is a selfish, miserable failure. <laughs> And other things miserably fail us. We're relying on imperfect things and imperfect people to perfectly perform. And consequently, to produce an unfailing and resolute faith in them. So why in the world do we focus on these focal points instead of Jesus? Like Scott said last week, it's due to our distrust in God. And that distrust drives us to put our faith in anything and, other, anything and anyone other than Jesus Christ himself. So how do we focus our faith on Jesus Christ? How do we have a focal point of faith in Jesus? Verse 29 clues us in. And Jesus said to them, remember the disciples said, what in the world? Why couldn't we do this? And Jesus answered them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but what? Prayer. See, this statement by Jesus reaffirmed that the disciples were trying to cast out the Spirit in their own power. Jesus' words were telling the disciples that their lives as disciples of Him is centered on and rests solely in dependence on Jesus and His power, nothing more and nothing less. The same holds true for us as disciples of Jesus Christ. See, prayer is the conduit to faith. It is the avenue to faith in Jesus Christ. Here's why. Prayer focuses us on our dependence on God. Prayer focuses us on the promises of God in Jesus Christ. Prayer intentionally puts a priority on us conversing with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Just like the conversation of Jesus and the Father to produce faith. When we go to God in prayer, it brings the focal point of faith front and center, faith in Jesus Christ alone. Prayer focuses us us on the holiness and majesty of God. Prayer focuses us on God the Father's will in our obedience and submission to him. Prayer puts into focus Jesus, Jesus Christ's perfection because of our imperfection. Prayer focuses us on the omnipotence of God because of our impotence. The bottom line, church family, is pray. Talk to God. Intentionally set aside time to praise him, to petition him, to confess to him, to thank him, to love him, to focus on him. And if you don't know how, go to Matthew chapter 6. Learn from Jesus himself how to pray. A spiritual life that is in constant prayer and communion with God is a life that has a focal point of faith on Jesus Christ. Prayer focuses us on the only one who matters, Jesus Christ. The one who came down from heaven to live the life we can never live, right? A perfect one. The one who went to the cross willingly and obediently to satisfy God's wrath and judgment that was reserved for you and I. The one who conquered death and rose again. The one who's alive right now and seated at the right hand of God the Father. Amen. The one who gives us access to God the Father. The way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ. See, dear friends, faith doesn't make something true. It embraces the truth. It embraces Jesus and is focused on Jesus. For those of you here this morning who are Christians, maybe you say, Derek, man, I've already placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Check. Good. Let me ask you a follow-up question to that. If you've trusted Jesus with your eternity... Are you trusting him with your right now? Our right nows can easily influence us us to the wrong focal point of faith. Life comes hard and comes quick. And if we're not in constant prayer and dependence on Jesus, our blinders are off and we lose focus. Are you trusting him with your right now? My encouragement to you right now, go and go often to God in prayer. Being reminded of the moment-by-moment need of Jesus Christ as the focal point of faith. Now maybe you say, Derek, I've never placed my complete and total trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Be encouraged, dear friend. Right now is the right time. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth, That Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Go to God in prayer and confess to him your unbelief. And just like the Father in our passage, ask Jesus to help your unbelief. And he will, a hundred times out of a hundred. Perfect batting average, Jesus Christ. And you can hold firm to the truth of scripture that says in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. My prayer for each of you today is for your life to be focused on Jesus Christ. Discipleship and faith are a mutually inclusive journey with the same starting and ending focal point a person, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your glorious word. Thank you that you care about us so much that you demonstrate that in your word. God, I pray for those out here today that have been honest with themselves, God, that their faith is in anything else. God, I pray your Holy Spirit just convicts. I pray your Holy Spirit, I pray that you give them the gift of faith. God, we come before you saying we are sinners and we are easily distracted and we're not always gonna have you as our focal point. God, help us. God, my prayer for us today is that we just come to you every moment saying, God, help. Help when things are going great. God, help when things are going wrong. God, help me because I can't help myself. God, help me because others can't help me. God, put yourself front and center in my life. God, I pray for that desire to grow. God, I pray for faith in you to grow in these hearts and these lives that are here this morning. God, it's no wonder that Saturday nights and Sunday mornings are so hard because the enemy wants to do anything and everything to distract us from coming to you as a body, as your body, and lifting high your holy name. So God, help us this week to be focused on you and your glorious and beautiful son, Jesus. And it's only in his name that we can pray to you. Praise be to you, God.